And why is walk the word of the day? Why is that important? Walk is all about our pace, how we live our life, the, the pace at which we live. And we illustrated this last week with a bunch of plates that were spinning and different areas of our life, our financial part of our life, our spiritual part of our life, our relational part of our life, and our physical and emotional health. And I was up here spinning all of them out of breath and running around like a crazy person trying to keep all these plates going because that's how we live, isn't it? Like our pace is just so fast. It's one thing after another. It's taking care of this and taking care of that and running to this and running to that. And it's like if we just do all this stuff as fast as possible and figure, figure it all out and finish it, then life is going to be good. But really, if we're just running around like a crazy person, it wears us out, it tires us out, it burns us out. And God didn't design this world for you to live like that. Like, it is designed so much better for you to, to live into his purpose and his design for the world that, than just running around like a crazy person. So walk. Do you walk in your life? You walk? Is your pace a walking pace? I want to talk about it in a couple different areas today. Um, but one of the main themes or that we're going to take this idea of walk from is looking at Jesus's life. We're going to look at Jesus's life. And don't you think that Jesus had a lot of important things to do? You know, like I know you got important stuff, right? And we talk about that all the time, that God has given you specific gifts and abilities to do something that only you can do. Like you are important. Very, very important. God has a very specific purpose, a very specific plan for you, for your family, how you engage at work, you know, to make a significant difference in this world. Like what you do, how God works through you and in your life is really, really important. But this is Jesus, right? And Jesus came here from heaven with a very specific and don't you think a very important mission, right? I mean, he had a lot of stuff to accomplish. He was the Messiah. And don't you know that there are hundreds of Old Testament prophecies as they were reading in the scriptures that here's the Messiah. Here's what he's going to come. Here's what he's going to do. And here's Jesus. He comes and has to do all of those things, has to do all of these important things. And some of them he couldn't control, like where he was born, right? You can't really control that. Um, some of the things that happened when he was little, you know, his parents are kind of dragging him around. Or like when he died, you can't really control how you die necessarily, right? But there's a lot of other things, like Jesus, now he was God, and, and we know that he, you know, was in control of all this stuff. But let's just say, for instance, that he wasn't. And he was a good student of the scriptures, and, and he was studying, okay, here's the Messiah. Like, he got a to-do list. He's got a checklist of all the things he has to accomplish in his life in order to be the Messiah. And one of them is, like, ride a donkey into Jerusalem. He's like, okay, I got to do this. I'll go find a donkey, and I'm going to ride it. Uh, maybe it's, you know, heal the, heal the lame and the blind, and, and I got to do this. You know, he's got a long checklist of things to do. He's got a very important mission, a very important job. He's got so many things. He's got to walk on water sometime in his life. He's got to heal the blind, heal the lame. He's got to speak to tens of thousands of people. He's got to call disciples to follow him. He's got to destroy the temple system, like physically and metaphorically. He's got all this stuff to do, all these important things to do. 
And he's got, do you know how many years he's got to do it? Three years. Three years to do all this important stuff, fulfill all these hundreds of prophecies. He's got three years. You know, the Gospels don't actually tell us very clearly that it is three years. Did you know that? Like Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he tells us that Jesus started his public ministry. He was baptized when he was about 30 years old. We don't really have any other time markers in all of the Gospels of Jesus' life, other than the Gospel of John. And John records three Passovers. So Passover happens once a year, right? And so there's the lives of Jesus was baptized, there was a time, and then there was a Passover. Then there was a time, and there was a Passover, and then there was a time, and there was a third Passover, and that's the time that Jesus died. He was buried, he ascended, or, and then he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. So that's where they actually get the three years-ish from, three and a half years, and they make me calculate it to the summer of 26, not the summer of 1926 or <laughs> 2026, the summer of 26 to about 30, the spring of 30, approximately three and a half years to accomplish all of these amazing, important, significant things. Now, our church is going to celebrate our first birthday. So if we had the time span of Jesus's ministry, that means we only have two years left to do everything that we want to do. That's crazy to think about. There are certain things that we want to do that we just can't even think about right now. It's like, that's years down the road, you know? And yet, Jesus did it everything in three years. And all of us, you are, you're older than three years old, right? You've been on this earth for three years, more than three years. You've been an adult for more than three years. But let's just say today, you, starting right now, you've got three years to accomplish everything in your life that you want to do. Three years. Ready, go. Right? What are you going to do? You're going to get out of here and you're going to run. <laughs> you're going to go do this, accomplish that, write this, speak that, visit this place, do this. You're going to go a million different directions. And Jesus, in his three years, he walked. He walked everywhere. Jesus turned the world upside down. He had a purpose to redeem the universe, all of creation. He was going to just change the world significantly, and he did it all by walking. He wasn't driving a car. He wasn't traveling on a super speed, uh, breaking the sound barrier jet. He wasn't in an Elon Musk hyperloop train. You know, he wasn't going from New York City to Los Angeles in under an hour. He wasn't crossing oceans. And you would think, I mean, he had a message to get out, didn't he? Like, he couldn't just press send and somebody in Africa is watching this right now, right? Like, he had to literally walk and get the message to somebody, to tell somebody. He had to write it down, and somebody had to literally carry that thing that was written to somebody else. Jesus did all of this by walking. 30 feet, sandals. He, we read, rode on a donkey, which isn't exactly a fast animal. He rode on a couple fishing boats, which again, aren't going that fast. He never rode a horse, as far as the scriptures tell us. He never rode in a chariot. He wasn't running. He was 
walking. And if Jesus can accomplish everything that he came to accomplish in his life by walking, maybe we have something to learn from him and the way that he lived, the pace at which he lived his life. And so uh, this message, I always try to preach to myself, but this message is really preaching to myself because I don't think I walk very much. And I'm trying to do better at that. I'm asking God to help me in that, and maybe this message will help me to do that. Because I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of things I want to achieve. I have a lot of things that I want this church to achieve and to do. And I've, I see, you know, years from this year, next year, years into the future, like this is what we're going to do, and we're going to make a significant impact in this area, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. You know, like I see all that. And, and in a very real way, and I know it's kind of strange to say this, but I already kind of see it. Like God has kind of given me this vision, uh, this way of leadership that is like a futuristic thinker, a futuristic vision kind of person. And in some ways, like I always knew this. I always knew this about myself. And so I try to do things in our ministry so that, you know, somebody is present in the moment because sometimes I'm not. And I'm trying to work on it. Please, you know, bear with me. Um, But I try and do things so that people just, you know, we meet people right where they are because sometimes my brain is somewhere else. And uh, when I was at my church planter assessment process, um, they drew this picture, and uh, I'll never forget it, because it it described my life, sorry, described my life perfectly. Um, This is everybody, right? This is all of you and, and, you know, all the people. And then there's this mountain of, like, all the things that you want to accomplish, all the goals that you have, all the things you want to achieve, And then, like, there was me in the car speeding down the other side of the mountain, okay? So here's the problem with this. It's cool. Like, you can, I I can be on the other side of the mountain, and we're going, right? But nobody can see me. You're all on the other, you're like, where'd he go? You know, I'm like, come, come on, it's good over here. It's really good, you know? And they're like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even see you. And so, I've been trying, and, and I've learned, I think, a little bit over the last couple of years to not only put the car in reverse and get on the other side of the mountain so that you can actually see, but actually get out of the car altogether, right? And just, let's walk together. Let's walk together. And um, I see some of these principles in the life of Jesus, as I've been alluding to. And one of them is in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at a couple different passages today. And uh, so you can jump around, you can look on the screen. Um, And whenever we get to the word that's in purple, what is that word, everybody? All right, I want you to say it nice and loud. All right, we're all going to follow along today. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. One day, as Jesus was along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And so this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's calling his first disciples. And Jesus, of course, knew. Like, not not only was he on the other side of the, the mountain, right, and in the car, he already knew all that stuff. He created it all. He knew how it was all going to work. But just bear with me for a minute in Jesus' humanity, okay? 100% God, 100% man. Jesus wakes up on the morning that he's going to call his first disciples, okay? 
He's like, all right, my to-do list today, my goal to achieve today is I'm going to call my first disciples. I got to get 12. I know I have to get 12. I've got zero right now. I've got to get 12. Okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the religious leaders, right? I'm going to go to the temple where all the important people are. I'm going to go to the seminary. No, Jesus goes to the beach and he goes for a walk. He's got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of people to get. He's got to get 12 disciples. He's got none. And he goes for a walk on the beach. Like the people that are fishermen are not exactly good people. Like they have very bad language. You know, they're dirty. They just, and Jesus goes for a walk on the beach. And then he says to these two random guys, you know, he's like, hey, you know, maybe they have a conversation. Come and follow me. And Jesus is like, I've got a good sales pitch for them. They're fishing for people, and I got to get them on my team. Look, they're good at fishing. Okay, don't fish for fish anymore. Come and fish for people. Oh, that sounds good. They'll go for that one. All right, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And again, imagine in Jesus' humanity, what if they said no? Like, because whenever we give an invitation to somebody, right, come to church with me, or do you want to come over for dinner? Do you want to get coffee? Do you want, and you know, and we're like, what if they say no? Like Jesus was walking down the beach, zero disciples, his goal is to get 12, he's got no, he's got all the stuff to do, he's walking down the beach, he's having a conversation with these two people, He's spending time with them. He's trying to convince them to follow him. You know, I'm sure they talked about more stuff than just what's recorded. And then he gives them the question, will you come and follow me? And what if they said no? Now, Jesus is like, I just wasted five hours of my life. I still have zero disciples. I got, you know, a beach full of people. I should have been running around to everybody. I should have been giving everyone a card. I should have been inviting everybody. If I invited 2,000 people to be my disciple, then surely 12 would say yes, right? But Jesus is walking down the beach and spends time with these two guys. And of course, He knew what they were going to say. They left their nets at once and followed him. Of course, he knew that. But again, in his humanity, in our life, when we're so busy trying to get to 12 and we're at zero and we got a million things to accomplish, the pace at which we go helps us actually get there. And if we go too fast, we don't have a good chance of accomplishing what we've set out to accomplish. And so one of the ideas of pace of walking is this idea, and it goes along with the the hill uh, illustration, is that when you're in relationship with somebody, when you're in a team environment, share your ideas earlier in the process. Don't wait until you're on the other side of the hill before you start calling out like, hey, (laughs) let's do this, you know, and everyone's looking like, where is he, right? Take it slowly. Share your ideas earlier. And again, I'm not strong at this. Um, Some of you are like me, okay? This is a lot of personal counseling time. I know I need it, right? I need all of you to listen to me for a second. But uh, when I bought a wedding ring, an engagement ring to Alicia, 
Um, this is the type of person that I am. I looked at every single engagement ring that existed, okay? Everyone. I knew all about cut, all about clarity, all about color. I knew it all. I've seen it all. So if someone was to ask me, like, are you sure you want that ring? Like, did you consider? Yeah, I did. I did. I looked at it. I looked at this one. I, I, know, I, like, I picked the best one, the very best. I knew it was the best one. I looked at all of them. I knew it was the best one for her. It was the best one in value. It was, I, you know, here's you know, what, what we could spend, and here's the best one that I could possibly get. And I looked at all the other options. So if you were going to suggest something else to me, did you consider this? Yeah, I did. Did you look at this? I did. I studied it. I put it on. I looked at it. I went to that store. I looked at it on. You know, I've, I've already been there. I've already done that. And so when you're just the only person making that decision, it's, it's okay. But when you got another person that you have to make a decision with, and you've already gone a million miles in your research, and they don't even know what you're talking about, it's hard to be on the same page. And that's a wedding ring. You're like, that's, that's, I do that with diapers. <laughs> I know all the brands of diapers. I know how much they cost. You know, I've, I've looked at all of them. I've maybe tried some of them. I know this one is going to be the best value for the amount of money that it, it takes. You know, like I, I know. So when I buy it, I, I already know. But just think about, like, so those of you that are following along with me, maybe you're seeing yourself a little bit in this way. I'm helping you. I'm helping somebody, helping somebody in your relationship today. Um, like, if you're planning the vacation, okay, you know, you look at all the different options, you plan the best place, you, you pick the dates, you got the plane tickets, you know the itinerary, you know, like, these are the best excursions, you know all this stuff, and you show up to your, your travel buddy, whether it's your family or your spouse or your friends or whatever, and you're like, okay, we're going on vacation, and you just unload the fire hose on them. You're like, here's where we're going, we're going to do this, we're going to have fun, we're going to... And they're looking at you like, we're going on vacation? You're like, yeah, like in your mind, you've already been on vacation. You've already, you've already experienced all of it, and they don't even know that they're going. Relationship, right? This is pace. Sharing your ideas earlier in the process so that you can bring other people along in the process. A fast pace mows people over, right? Check your pace. Bring people along. Don't mow them over. And when you've got a lot of stuff to accomplish, a lot of goals to achieve, a lot of things to get done, it's easy to shoot for those things. It's easy to, I'm going to get this done, this done, this done, this done. And everybody else that doesn't help you do those things just kind of becomes pawns in the process or just you kind of get rid of them. But your pace then oftentimes is more connected with our ego than it is with our purpose. So like... My pace to get everything done as fast as possible, to get, achieve it and do well and live right, is like, well, I've done that. I've achieved it. I've finished it. I've accomplished it. We've done it. It's, it's good. But our purpose is more like taking time for other people, loving God. And when we just shoot for accomplishing the goals and mow everybody else out of the way, are we really following Jesus as best as we can? Are we following his example? Are we, are we doing what God wants us to do? So check our pace. Don't just crank the organization. Pause for people. 
Jesus went slowly enough to bring people along with him. And we see this after Jesus' baptism. Pretty significant day in Jesus' life. John chapter 1, verse 35 through 37. The following day. So Jesus was baptized. This is like day one of his public ministry. John was again standing with two of his disciples. And as Jesus, by John, looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. You start the project. You start the, I'm going to get this done. And it's like, you know, a million miles an hour to get it done. Whatever you got to do, I'm going to finish this thing. And Jesus, on his very first day, had enough time to walk. And John, John the Baptist, had enough time to see him. And had enough time to declare, look, there is the Lamb of God. And there was even enough time for two of the disciples of John the Baptist to figure out that, okay, I don't need to be following John the Baptist anymore. I need to be following Jesus. Like, that's not an easy decision. You've been with John the Baptist for a number of maybe years, you know, and now you're just going to go follow somebody else? Like, you don't make that decision quickly. And Jesus is going at a pace which allows these guys to now follow Jesus. So, illustrations. Come on, come on, follow me. Come on, come on, come on. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? (laughs) Where'd you go? It's hard, right? But you're doing good. But if we change the pace and say, hey, would you like to follow me? Sure, right? Okay. Well, how's it going? You're warm, right? It's pretty cold outside, yeah. Now we, now we got something, right? And the only thing that changed is the speed at which we were moving, right? And so sometimes, thank you, Michelle. All right. Uh, sometimes the only thing that makes the biggest difference is just the speed at which it happens. And that's what I see with Jesus' pace. Is he was going physically at a space at a pace that allowed him to accomplish his purpose. And so many of us are going at a pace so fast, trying to accomplish our purpose, and yet missing it altogether. Look what happened in this walking moment of Jesus' life. That same day, so this is after Jesus' resurrection now, and we're jumping all over the place here. Jesus died, he was buried, he resurrected, now he's spending time with people before he ascends into heaven. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they, they're walking along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Walking is a great time to talk. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Now Jesus joins them and walks with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Jesus had 40 days from the time he came back from the dead to the time he ascended into heaven, 40 days. 
to do anything that he wanted to do. Now, we see him teleporting here, which is, which is unique. Um, but other than that, he took time to walk with these disciples. They were walking, and he met them right where they were. And so he started walking with them, and it says, they stopped short. Sadness was written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened here the last few days. Kind of ironic. But then Jesus asked this question, what things? I love that question. Because Jesus knew the answer, right? All of these things that they're asking about happened to the one that they're talking to. And Jesus, he had 40 days 40 days before he ascended into heaven, had enough time to ask a question he knew the answer to because he wanted to be with them. He wanted to have a conversation with them. He wanted to form a relationship with them. What things? And he paused enough time to to hear the answer. How often do we ask questions and then just leave, right? He actually was interested in, in talking to them about what things have happened? What things? And asking great questions, asking good questions is really helpful in your life. Building relationships with people, taking next steps in your relationships with people. Can you ask good questions? Some good questions maybe are like, tell me more about this certain thing. Or what did you mean when you said great questions that deepen a relationship that allow people to follow you or connect with you more? And sometimes communication is all about timing. Like, is it the right time? Is it the right time to say this thing? Is it the right time to to have this conversation? And for Jesus, he had three years. He knew from the time he was baptized that eventually, in three years or whatever, he was going to be crucified. So there were certain things that he did and said later in his life that um, led to his crucifixion. Now, if he would have done that, like on day one, right, he would have missed everything that he, a lot of what he came to accomplish. So like raising Lazarus from the dead, which made everybody crazy. If he did that on day one, he would have been crucified the next day. <laughs> like he would have missed out on everything, right? So, so pace, knowing how to do these certain things. So look, John chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. After these things, Jesus in Galilee, for he did not want to in Judea, because why didn't he want to go there? Why didn't he want to live there? Because the Jews sought to kill him. It wasn't his time yet. And the, the Jews' feast of the tabernacles was at hand, and his brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. They're like, you're in Galilee. And his brothers are telling him, you're in Galilee. Nobody cares about you. Nobody knows what you're doing. You need to go to the big city. You need to go where everybody sees you. And they told him, nobody does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. Like, people need to hear your message. People need to meet you. That, like, that's why you came. And if you do these things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe him. And Jesus told him that my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that his works are evil. You go to this feast. And I'm not yet going to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And when he said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. He's like, this isn't the right time. 
right? He knew his pace. What's interesting about John 7 here is that Jesus actually ended up going later. I, I don't know why I have to study that more, but it's interesting. But he was just talking about them to, the, to, his, to these guys, to his brothers, saying, like, I can't go right now. Like, it's, it's not the right timing. It's not the right pace. Like, I know I, what I want to accomplish. I know I have to get there, but not right now. It's sort of like, again, I'm doing a bunch of illustrations to tell you to walk, right? It's sort of like if this was the goal, right? For everyone to clap on rhythm like this, okay? Everybody, can you do it? Can you follow me? Clap fast, right? Not bad, not bad, not bad. But what if we all started a little differently? Like... Ah, yeah, see? And you're more together. You're more with it. You're all in the same pace. You started at a better place in order to all get to where you were going together. And lastly, our pace helps us to trust in God. Like, when we're not going a million miles an hour, we can trust that God is still doing what he is said he's doing. Like, we can sleep. You can sleep. Because you know that God doesn't ever sleep. You don't have to worry about this thing 24-7 because God's doing that. And you can rest. And so when we're going at a pace that is slower, we can trust God more. In Luke 22, 39 through 41, this is near the end of Jesus' life. He was accompanied by his disciples and Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. We're going to talk about this next week. Jesus went as usual. This was a part of his rhythm. It was a part of his routine. And there he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. And he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So this is, Jesus is going to be crucified in the next day or two. He's going away. He's getting his mind right. He's getting with God. He's he's praying. He's like, Father, I need you right now. And I need my disciples. I need my people to be with me. I need you to pray. And you need to pray for your own sake. So let's pray. And he got them together. And then he walked away to go kind of by himself to pray. Like this is scary moments in Jesus' life. He's about to die, to be murdered. He knows it. He walked. We, we, we were playing around with some of the different, you know, the penguin walk or the walk like the Egyptian earlier in the service. This is like confident walk. Confident walk Jesus. Like I'm walking away. I'm not timidly crawling away. I'm not like, oh no, like, you know. He walked away to pray and talk to God. And we are so busy running from everything in our life trying to avoid everything sometimes, right? We're running from this and that and the other thing. Sometimes we just have to walk right into it. Stop running from it and walk right into it. And Jesus said this, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then the angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, and he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. 
And at last he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give into temptation. Like Jesus, even in his most stressed out moment, is able to engage with the people in his life in an amazing way. In a, obviously he was perfect, a perfect way. Full of grace, full of truth. He was able to talk to them, engage with them in this really stressful moment in such a, a powerful way. He wasn't super fast going and accomplishing what he had to do and mowing everybody else out of the way. He wasn't running people over. He wasn't leaving people in the dust. He wasn't able, or he, he, he wasn't going so fast that there was like distance and space between him and, and other people. He was going at a pace that allowed him to have great conversations, to give grace and to receive grace, going at a pace to give truth and, and receive truth. And I don't want you to miss that. I don't, want to miss you, I, want, I don't want you to miss that in your life where you can give grace, receive grace, give truth and receive truth in a meaningful, relational way. And so, what's the key word of the day? God, we just thank you for how you give us an example of the pace at which we can live that shows, hey, we trust you, God. You're with us. You're working. We don't need to worry 24-7. We don't need to wonder 24-7. We don't need to accomplish things 24-7 because, God, you do that. You don't need to sleep, and yet you've designed us to. And I think it might be for some of this faith, trust, reason. God, we believe that you're in control, that you know all these things. And so, God, I just pray that you would be with us. Help us to remember to walk. Help us to remember to walk with people, to bring people along in the process and not just get our checklist done or to accomplish the big goals we have for our life or for our business or for our organization or for our family or, or whatever it is. Lord, that we would take the time to walk, to spend time with people, to have conversations with people, to, to share ideas earlier in the process so that they can come alongside and and God, as I'm praying, as I'm thinking, as I'm preaching today, I just pray that you would help me to do this better. That you would help me to, to walk. To walk with you and to walk with others so that we can follow you together. So I ask that you would do this now in Jesus' name.